There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Hi, friends. Thank you for joining me today here on WCN-TV. You are going to want to share this program with your friends. If you're watching this after the fact and you missed out on it in real time, the day that we find ourselves in is full, full of intrigue, mystery, upheaval. (laughs) A lot of words come to mind that we could use to describe this. One reality among many that are percolating to the surface and of our conscious we're beginning to talk about it more and more and more with our neighbors and our friends is we don't really know as much as we thought we did at one point. People are actually still shocked today, which is shocking to me, but they are waking up. And I know that term is overused, but listen, it's never too late to get some wisdom to see and understand what's happening in our world today. And especially right here in our nation. We have been sold a bill of goods by the media, by our government, by entertainment, by businesses across the spectrum. And uh, what we've been sold, we're finding out, is simply not true. One reality among many that deserves our attention today is the current elitist infatuation with what is being termed a global reset. The controlled narrative is that humanity needs a few experts to keep it and us safe. Now, we used to call that technocrats or technocracy for short. I think it's morphed into and is adopting a form of transhumanism. But the salvation that's being offered by these so-called experts is going to require governments across the earth to change the way that they do business, to build a more, in their words, sustainable future for the planet and its population. I hope all these buzzwords are sticking out to you, friends, that you're picking up on this. And, oh, yeah, I hear that now. I hear that in the media. What's being left out, of course, is the necessity that all governments and the people that they represent must comply with the new global rules that affect every aspect of a person's life, right down to the amount of energy that you may use or 
be permitted to use on a daily basis. There is a great economic shift underway today. Lost in the hubris of the elitists and their mouthpieces in media and government is the fact that the current global dominance by a few is eerily similar to what Christians read in the book of Revelation. Those days that are converging and leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. And that begs the question, doesn't it? How close are we to the return of Jesus Christ to the earth? Jews await the Mashiach. Muslims await the Mahdi. It seems that the whole world awaits the dawning of a new golden age of safety, peace, and prosperity. There is an unveiling coming, friends, whether it reveals the fulfillment of the plans of man or the plans of Yahweh, that's the question. I'm pleased to welcome pastor, author, radio host, and friend Chuck Chrismeyer to WCN-TV. Chuck is the founder and president of Save America Ministries. He spent nine years as a public school teacher, 20 years as a trial lawyer, and the last 39 years as a pastor. He's the host of the radio program Viewpoint, and soon to be heard on WTTP-FM here in Lima, Ohio. And is the author of numerous books, his latest and the subject of our conversation today, The Mystery of Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Chuck, welcome to WCN-TV. Well, Mike, it is a privilege for me to uh, join you and uh, those that are listening with you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you making the time. I know you've been a bit under the weather and getting back into your routine, which is a very busy routine, by the way. So I appreciate you making time for us. It seems that um, most Americans don't really comprehend that this great global reset is, is designed to reform governments here in America and across the earth, enabling them to compel, and I, I think that that is a perfect word, to compel every person to comply with their emerging edicts and thus be conformed in the image and destiny of what elitists and global globalists desire. So in this kind of an environment, Chuck, it's, it's easy to see why the world is looking for a deliverer or might I be so bold to say a messianic type of leader, wouldn't you say? Right. That's absolutely right. And uh, it, in fact, it's almost universal. Uh, one white might not necessarily recognize the means by which so many people are looking for uh, such a deliverer or messianic figure. But the reality is, as I point out in the book, uh, it is such a broad uh, pursuit, a broad pursuit uh, throughout the world, uh, not just here in America, but all over the world, uh, whether it be Jew or Gentile, whether it be believer or unbeliever, the pursuit is there. And because of that, it is tripling the deception potential for humankind and even for Christians. Yes, absolutely. And that's that was the the purpose of, of that opening monologue was to 
to make those aware who who haven't grasped the reality of, of our context today that there's a great number of people across the world that that are waking up to the reality of what's happened to them and uh, they're somewhat might I say uh, frustrated and mm-hmm. and even a bit angry at at, at what's been what's been pulled the as we used to say in my day the wool over the eyes um, now Chuck, we, we've chatted a couple of times now and 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 one of the idioms phrases I've heard you use a lot and and I think this is important to to lay out for our viewers today um, I've heard you make this statement viewpoint is or define destiny. destiny yes yes oh. what do you mean by that well, I, I'm glad you asked that question, <clears throat> because at first it may seem kind of blithe to say such a thing, but the reality is there is, are no neutral viewpoints. Our viewpoints, every one of them, small or great, are leading towards some kind of destiny. Now, here's the problem. If we do not share God's viewpoint, then the viewpoints that we have are going to be disconnected from his viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And if our viewpoints are disconnected from his viewpoint, that means that we are in the process of being deceived. We're just in the process of being deceived, whether we realize it or not. And that's a very dangerous place to be in a world like this. When uh, uh, Jesus said that the premier characteristic of these times before his second coming would be massive deception. Yes. Yeah. That, that it's so appropriate for the day in which we live. If you're not going to accept God's viewpoint, if you reject that for another, you're going to gravitate toward a viewpoint that best suits you. The scripture says of that, every man did what was right in his own eyes. I, I think we're in that period of time today. This phrase, Chuck, New World Order, that's been around for a very long time. I remember Ooh. all of the hoopla back when uh, Poppy Bush first made that, that he was giving that speech and he used that phrase and, and, and people's eyes lit up. They thought, New World Order. Now, some people thought, well, this is a very good thing. It's about time we have a New World Order and get away from it's not a very good thing, is it? Well, no, it's not. In fact, uh, up until... Uh, Bush 40, what is it, 41, uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, uh, those words had never been uttered publicly by a United States president. But he did so before a joint session of Congress and declared that the, the moment, the season was upon us to give birth. He said it was like the birth pangs of this new world order. Interestingly, uh, and that, that was said in 1990, as I recall, but In 1950, James Paul Warburg addressed the United States Senate and said very clearly, we will have a one world government, whether you like it or not. You will either agree to cooperate with it or it will come in by force. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. So as you said, this goes back quite a ways And we are now in the throes of perhaps the final uh, implementation of that that through the so-called Great Reset that is scheduled now for its final expression in 2030. 
Yes. And that, that was uh, previously announced and, and promoted um, by the United Nations as uh, agenda 2030. Right. Um, and um, so, so I guess that's a, that's a good follow-up question, um, Chuck. What, what part is the United Nations playing in this global reset? Well, the United Nations has always been about a global vision. Uh, and it, it's interesting to put this in a biblical perspective. Uh, God commanded that the nations disperse. You remember that coming out of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Well, they decided to gather together instead of disperse. Mm-hmm. That spirit of coming together rather than dispersing to the nations as God determined has continued. It has re-emerged over and over again from Constantine uh, uh, and Charlemagne, Charlemagne, right there in 800 AD. Uh, And so this spirit now is now coming to its fruition in the Great Reset. Isn't it interesting, Mike, that 2030 is almost exactly 2,000 years since Christ's death and resurrection? Yeah. There's something about that date. <laughs> yeah, boy, we could we could follow that trail very easily. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not going to make too much of it. I said, isn't it interesting? I think it's very interesting. And um, yes, absolutely. You mentioned <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, a spirit there. There is a spirit. Spirit, it it is tangible in, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I sense it. I I can see it. We we see the widespread chaos, rebellion, anarchy, and people reveling in anarchy, openly calling for that. And uh, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, to some. Our, our government supporting that. Now, they claim that they're not, but we know that they are. They're actually supporting this. And, and I wonder, is, is, this, is this being used? Is this part of the strategy of, of our enemy in bringing about global change, Chuck? Well, there are spirits. <clears throat> there's the Holy Spirit, and there's the unholy spirit. And the unholy spirit emanates from our arch enemy, Lucifer, Satan, and uh, the Holy Spirit comes from God. Which spirit are you listening to? In the book Messiah, there's a chapter called the deification of earth. And uh, the reality is uh, there actually is a terminology that is being used now by uh, shall we say, nature worshipers. <clears throat> and it's called the spirit of the earth. Mm. The spirit of the earth. So what is happening and what we reveal in that particular chapter is that actually the deification of Mother Earth and the earth itself mm-hmm. is an alternate alternative savior to those who believe in it. Uh And for instance, uh, we've had a a new king that's been initiated into our world just in this last week, King Charles, 
formerly Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a whole program just uh, in the last couple of days, Mike, concerning the role of Prince Charles with regard to this new global order and particularly the worship of the environment. And uh, he, rather than a worshiper of God, even though he supposedly was dedicated to be defender of the faith, he says, now I'm going to be defender of the faiths. And the faith that he is focusing on is the worship of the environment or the deification of the environment. It is a counterfeit salvation move. He says, the only hope for us is to save nature or save the world. He never mentions any need for salvation from sin. And so we're living in a situation, and that's just one of the many different facets that I point out in the book, this deification of the environment. We have another fellow by the name of Mikhail Gorbachev that just two weeks ago passed away. Mikhail Gorbachev was one of the leaders of this new global movement. After he left the Soviet Union, he went to the Presidio in San Francisco and uh, there founded the, the Gorbachev Foundation. And he dedicated his life to the basically the worship and exaltation of Mother Earth and the environment as the ultimate salvation for the world. Uh He said, in his own words, this is the cornerstone of the new world order. So now we can understand then why there's so much emphasis on the environment and environmentalism and climate change, climate control, because it is deemed essential by those who are following this new world order and the 2030 agenda in order to accomplish their purpose. Yes, yes. And that... We can see how that's happening too, Chuck. We've we've watched. You and I are are uh, close to the same age. Um, we've seen a lot happen in the last four decades. Uh, oh yes, in in the church, uh, we've seen a a turning away from the authority, the integrity of the Word of God. Uh, we've witnessed that. It seems like it's been placed on fast forward in the last mm-hmm. 10 or 15 years. No question. And if we don't have the if we don't have the foundation, the sure foundation and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and 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 the Word of God, then friends, all we're left with is is our own feelings, mm-hmm. our own emotions, and our really our own experiences. And it's very, very easy. In fact, we're watching it unfold. For people to be deceived because what's what's the saying? Nature abhors a vacuum. So into that spiritual cavity that's left by the rejection of God rushes in our enemy in the guise of environmentalism. Absolutely, absolutely true. And you mentioned feelings, the, the authority of feelings and experience. In my book, Antichrist, that just preceded this one, uh, How to Identify the Coming Imposter, uh, I quote a fellow from Fuller Seminary, nonetheless, Mm -hmm. Mel Robet, who declared that what we've been doing and teaching and preaching all these years is not working. Now we must resort to experience as the final arbiter of truth. Mm. The Pope also declared exactly the same thing. So now you can see that the anchor of truth 
that we thought was there for Christians is no longer considered an anchor. Mm-hmm. It's our feelings, it's our emotions, and it's our experience that is becoming Lord. Now, if that isn't the foundation for deception, I don't know what is. So as you read through my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, you begin to find out why it really is a mystery. Because as Christians, we think we know this Messiah. We think we know who he is. We think we know about him. But what we don't know is all of the competitors out there that are working triple time to seduce and deceive and to draw us away from the true Messiah. Yeah. One of the things that we have witnessed in America is the um, is the vociferous, violent attack on Christianity and conservative biblical principles. Um, We've witnessed that in in the political realm. I think this explains to a large degree, Chuck, and I, and I want your thoughts on this, why there has been such deep-seated and, and let me say uh, purposely manufactured and conjured up, and I use that word intentionally, mm-hmm. uh, opposition to the, to the idea that we can make America great again. Now, some people are going to associate that with a with with Donald Trump. I say it goes much farther than than Donald Trump. I say that it goes to the very heart of what makes America great, and that is the Christian faith. Well, that is true, and that's why it has to be attacked. Because if if in fact there is a move for a new world order, a global government, a rebirth of the ancient Tower of Babel in fulfillment of the ancient prophecy of Daniel, then we have to expect that there's going to be an attack on the Christian faith. It is the only true alternative uh, presentation of a Messiah, as I set forth in my book, Messiah. There are so many competitors, uh, people don't realize that they're competitors, but they really are, and they're competitors for our thinking. So let's go back to your original question then about making America great. As Christians, we are not here to worship America. That happens to be a political concept, Mm -hmm. but our founders did not see it just as a political concept. Our earliest founders, starting in 1607 in Jamestown, but particularly in 1620 with the Plymouth Colony and the Puritans in 1630 with a godly attorney, John Winthrop, bringing over four boatloads of Puritans, penning uh, a model of Christian charity, which some historians believe is the clearest expression of the American vision ever penned. And in there, It was not about politics at all. It was about living out in the fullness, the commands of Christ and the scripture. That was the foundation of this country. So if we're going to make America great again, we have to get back to the authority of scripture. Just this next weekend, I have been asked to speak at a gathering for Constitution Day. They said, Chuck, what would you like to speak on? I said, there's no question. 
I want to speak about two constitutions. Everybody wants to talk about the Constitution of 1789 and how it has lost its authority. The reason the Constitution of 1789, the Constitution of our country, has lost its authority is because the Constitution that founded this country, which is called the Bible, has first lost its authority. Yes. So in 1983, when Congress declared it the year of the Bible, what they were actually saying, it was an almost immemorium that the Bible, they recognized the Bible was losing its authority. So now, uh, with, with no disparagement to the Green family for establishing a Bible museum in Washington, D.C., the Bible has been relegated to a museum. And for biblical authority, even in our churches, Mike, the Bible's lost its authority. We have our own viewpoints. We substitute our viewpoint for what God has said, and therefore we end up diverging gradually away until we've reaped the consequences of it, which, for instance, in the marriage area is massive divorce, even in God's house, resulting in massive uh, uh apostasy, actually, apostasy from the authority of God and his word, because God has set forth his kingdom around marriage to display the relationship of Christ to his church. So Satan has come in and he's twisted the whole system situation so that now uh, we are in a desperate situation. Marriage has lost its uh, mojo, shall we say, in America. And uh, as of this day, Mike, this day, the Democrat Party came in and announced a new bill in which basically they are seeking to virtually criminalize any reference to traditional marriage as the exclusive God-given, God-ordained fashion requiring pastors and parachurch leasers to embrace every other viewpoint or suffer the consequences. Well, brother, that is a losing battle. They don't understand what can of worms they've opened up. I pray that pastors everywhere will stand up and not just denounce that, but challenge them, dare them to try and enforce that kind of nonsense. Yeah, we should be pastors just came out with a letter from the, uh, Alliance for Freedom uh, group uh, with a letter to the Senate uh, saying, don't you dare do this. And the leader of the Senate has supported it. <laughs> yeah. So we're in a time of great rebellion. In a time of great rebellion where feelings and experience have become our lead uh, dependency. Then we are subject to every nuance of counterfeit messianic moves. Yeah. We really are. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that even among the Jewish people, and I, I think it's important to get this out because people don't realize this. When I wrote this book, if there was any particular group of people I had on my heart, it was the Jewish people. Now I had to be very careful in writing the book because I didn't want it to appear that that was all that I was dealing with, which is, because it is not. 
I'm dealing with Christians as well and non-believers. However, the Jewish people are not expecting a deity Messiah, a divine Messiah. They are not, by their own admission, I've had them admit right on my radio program, Orthodox Jews saying, we are not looking for a divine Messiah. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they're looking for a man, a man just like them. Now, how is a man just like them, which they say is like Moses now, that's how they relate to it, how is he going to save the world uh, on an eternal basis? There's something drastically wrong with this picture, but they have to believe that because they say Moses said he would raise up a man just like him. That's their viewpoint. And so viewpoint is determining destiny. This is one of the tremendous hurdles that we're facing among our Jewish brethren. Uh, but there are, we talked about the environmental thing. There are so many other aspects. I'm sure that there are uh, some things that have caught your attention. And I, you know, I'd certainly be happy to respond to them. Yes. Well, so you've just given a, a very, very good um, reasoned explanation, description of why the global reset that we're already in the midst of, friends. Oh, yes, we are. We're, we're already here. Um, why this is about more than the economy and environmentalism, and that's what they're trying to cloak it in, while they're also really aiming for the heart of the issue. And, and that is what, Chuck, what you've just been. And Mike, that's the reason why, going back to your earlier question, why they are so antithetic, in fact, angry with the very concept of making America great again. Because making America great again takes us back to the biblical foundations. They are not about making America great again. They have no interest in making America great again, which should be their role as uh, political representatives of of our country, including the president, but that is not their belief system. Their belief system is that the salvation for the world is to amalgamate the nations of the world into a confederacy of a one-world government, whether you want to call it the Great Reset, a one-world order, it doesn't matter, it's all the same thing. Uh, And when Uh, Joe Biden, who is the uh, environmental czar for uh, Joe Biden, came out and said right after the inauguration of Joe Biden that his inauguration was a key to the rapid advancement of the new world order, the Great Reset. I mean, how much clearer do you have to have it? So Klaus Schwab comes out in the last day or two and says, all of this is just a conspiracy theory. Say they use that as a label to try to shut up communication. Yeah. Whenever you can use a label, you can libel somebody. And that's what they're doing. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's out of their own mouths. And it's been declared over and over and over again As you emphasize, the United Nations has adopted its agenda 2030, the Great Reset is 2030, and there are several other 
movements that are all moving on 2030. Again, I reiterate, for whatever it's worth, that is almost exactly 2,000 years after the, resurrect, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that occurred, most people uh, would believe somewhere around 2030. And there aren't any coincidences, friends, in God's plan. So you take that for what it's worth. Mm. Chuck, you talk about spiritual democracy. You talk about subjective morality uh, mm-hmm. in the book. What, what, if anything, do those things have to do with um, the Messiah? Well, it's interesting because uh, God has never ordained a democracy. He ordained that he would be the ruler of Israel. Yes. The children of Israel, back in the days of the judges, uh, the first one, Samuel, demanded a king. So you have the rule of the people coming out and demanding a king like all the other nations. They wanted to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. The prophet Balaam in Numbers chapter 24 said, Israel will never be reckoned among the nations, but Israel doesn't care. They want to be reckoned among the nations. We want to be reckoned. Democracy, pure democracy, is the unfettered rule of people who, if they are not godly, Mm -hmm. will be tyrannical. Mm -hmm. That's why our founders feared and despised unfettered democracy. Therefore, as uh, one lady who accosted Benjamin Franklin coming out of Independence Hall there in Philadelphia asked, what kind of a government do we have, sir? And he said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. Now, the if is the operative word. What does that if mean? Well, the foundation of the Democratic Republic is virtue, all of our founders said our government cannot handle a non-virtuous people. It's not designed for any other kind of people. John Adams said our government was made for a moral and religious or Christian people and is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. But the world keeps talking about democracy. They're using the word democracy in a deceptive way. Yes. Yes. While they keep saying our democracy, our democracy, our democracy, they're actually seducing the people into something that is radically contrary to democracy, which is the rulership, whether you want to call it an elite, whatever you want to call it, a group of individuals who ultimately, including led by the Antichrist himself, will govern the people, and he will not govern the people with righteousness or compassion. But he will seduce them through flattery, The uh, Daniel the prophet said. I talk all about that in my book, uh, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. But with Messiah now, the deception is multiplied and amplified in so many different ways. You mentioned, for instance, Islam. They're looking for the Mahdi, the 12th Imam. He's going to be the deliverer. Uh, The New Agers are looking for a Messiah. They're calling 
if the spirit of Christ or the Christ, uh, there's another term that they use, but they use Christ as the term. But they're not talking about Jesus Christ. Yes. They're talking about a Christ spirit that's in everybody. Yes. Yes. So therefore, they have set up, and people don't realize this, the New Age movement is not, it's an old age movement, but it is continuing in its implications and spreading as we speak throughout the world. And there, here's what they say. They say, we cannot countenance people like true Christian believers because they don't believe in the Christ that we believe in. They don't believe in a kind of universal salvation that we believe in. Therefore, they must be eliminated. They have a term. They must be uh, moved out. They cannot be allowed in this new world order. The United Nations, a number of years ago, passed an edict saying exactly the same thing. So, Mike, while we're informing people with this book about what's happening and the deceptions that are coming on with these uh, various counterfeit messiahs and so on, uh, the reality is Christians, true followers of Jesus Christ, need to realize that the pressure is coming on more and uh, stronger and stronger uh, that is called tribulation. The word tribulation just basically means pressure. And Christians are being pressured, 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 including the effort by the Democrat Party just in the last few days to pass this edict with regard to uh, marriage, traditional marriage, putting pressure, pressure, pressure to push out, to push out true followers of Jesus Christ and anything a biblical commitment. Yes. This is, we're, we're in the ultimate moment here. I really believe that. I think it's one of the reasons why God called me to leave the practice of law at the height of my career, uh, to plead his cause in the land as a voice to the church, first declaring vision for the nation here at America's greatest crisis hour on the near edge of the second coming. And uh, we're, we're right here. The whole series of books that I've written now have been almost like a trajectory of preparation for people, uh, particularly Christians. By the way, uh, Mike, a lot of people don't realize that all the warnings of Scripture are to Christians or believers, mm-hmm. all of them, whether they happen to be the Jews or Christians. They're not to unbelievers because Jesus said the unbelievers are condemned already. Therefore, God is warning his warmest audience. People, get ready. Get ready. These are the times that I warned you about. These are the times that the Apostle Paul warned us about. These are the times the Apostle John warned us about, whether it's in the book of Revelation, whether it's in the book of Daniel, whether it's in the book of Thessalonians, or the book of Matthew. Yes. Yes. Amen. There is so much more to cover, friends. I'm talking with uh, author, Pastor Charles Chris Meyer, Chuck Chris Meyer. My friend, 
Messiah unveiling the mystery of the ages. There is so much more to cover here um, in the in the last twenty minutes of our of our conversation. I want to just touch briefly on um, the cover that the quote unquote pandemic provided for those that are are pushing this global reset. You talk about in the book, Chuck. Um, the merging of biotechnology with digital technology. And that's a very significant step in the process of what they're trying to do to us, isn't it? It's absolutely huge. In fact, the goal of biotechnology and so-called bioethics is to actually make man his own God. That's the goal to make man his own God, in their own words. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I don't remember whether I wrote about this in the book, but about 20 years ago, uh, I got caught in the LAX airport on a layover. And uh, sitting in Delta's sitting room across from me was a man who identified himself as an international engineer for the Sony Corporation. And we were having a nice little chat, and he was telling me about the advance of technology at that time and about how we would no longer need phone instruments. They'd be implants and things like that. Then without slowing down, he made this statement, and the day is coming when we will be God. Hmm. That's what he said. The day is coming when we will be God. And that's exactly now what The uh, Kurzweil's of the world are saying this is what, uh, and and, and in effect, this is what the Bill Gates's of the world are saying, that uh, we are going to control everything. We can advance to the point where uh, we will not have to deal with an eternity without God because we will be God. Yes. It will be gods in our own right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's amazing. And we got a whole chapter on that. Yes. I don't remember the man's name right off the top of my head, but there is a philosopher uh, very popular in this movement, the elitist circles and and uh, connected to Schwab and, and the, uh, the WEF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say his name's Harari, but I'm but I'm not. Yeah. Sure. Is, is that close? It's close. It's close. Yeah. And that's so exactly what he's saying that's exactly what he's saying, Chuck. That is yep. the message that he's saying. And he is the one closest to the ear of Klaus Schwab. He yes. is seen as a kind of secular prophet. Yes, he really yes. is. So the what is being expressed now. And let's relate it back to the scripture. If we go back to the book of Genesis, and then Ezekiel, we find that Lucifer or Satan elevated himself to a level of godhood. He said, "I'm so great. I'm the most. I'm I'm the worship leader of heaven. I I'm going to be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north." So, how is he going to do that? Since God gave dominion to humankind and the earth, the only way that Satan can do that is through humankind, through a man or a woman or all of us on this planet. That's the only way he can do it. So that's what he said about doing. And 
I, I show that in my book, uh, King of the Mountain, uh, the epic, eternal, and end-time battle for King of the Mountain. But uh, the reality is he is investing himself in human beings. The ultimate human being that he will invest himself in is called, in the biblical term, the Antichrist or the counterfeit Christ or the imposter Christ. That's the ultimate one that he will invest himself in. But until then, he has to work with a whole variety of people and nations in order to choreograph this final effort to fulfill his goal to be like God, to be God. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that's puzzling to me, Chuck, and maybe it's again, maybe it's because of my age. uh, I know the reality of communism. Uh, I understand that uh, socialism is communism with a glove on just to hide that iron fist. Mm-hmm. But people, um, Americans, and especially the younger uh, generations, are being deceived uh, by socialism, thinking that this is a grand idea. Um, how is that paving the way toward uh, the day of Messiah and his return? Because I see it all over the place today, Chuck. It has to do with trust. Hmm. You see, uh, socialism is a system of false trust. God wants us to trust him. Mm -hmm. Israel had the same problem. God wanted them to trust him, and they said, no, no, uh, we want to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. We want to be like everybody else. So Mm -hmm. socialism seduces us to trust ourselves and a system rather than to trust God. Communism takes it the next step, And says, well, if socialism is good to accomplish what the Bible says without doing it God's way, which is what socialism does, then we should, wouldn't it be nice then if we just force people to do it? That's what communism is. Mm -hmm. It's the, the lever of force to compel people to do what we perceive they ought to do to be biblical. Well, You can understand why young people then would be seduced by socialism, because it seems it sounds so nice at first. It sounds biblical. Well, didn't the early church, didn't they have uh, shares and things in common? Didn't they do that? Well, yes, they did. Did they do it by somebody compelling them to do it? No. Was it even suggested to them to do it? No, we have no record of that. They did it of their own accord. Why? Because of their heart connection. Socialism disconnects the heart from the deed. Mm. It delegates to government or some other entity that which God wants to come from, and I'm going to use a big legal word, eleemosynary purposes of the heart. In Mm. other words, the deepest recesses of the heart, that's what God's about. He's not about just accomplishing an end result. He's a, he wants to accomplish that result by a mind and a heart that are oriented first toward him and then toward others because of that. Socialism disconnects that. It tries to do an end run by accomplishing a result without the heart connection. Communism then 
becomes the mighty anvil of force for the government to compel that which people are determining, well, this would be a good thing, so why not just make people, force people to do it? Yes, yeah. Well, I I think that gives a little insight, Chuck, into what uh, Klaus Schwab has said repeatedly and has been quoted as saying, uh, you will own nothing and you'll be happy about it. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. I wonder, how is that possible? Well, now we can understand a little bit how that might be possible because all your needs will be met. We will be your provider. We'll be your Jehovah Jireh, your Jehovah Rapha, your healer, Jehovah Shalom. We'll be your Jehovah everything. We will be your surrogate God. Mm. Wow. Well, speaking of that, um, deception has already come upon the world, but we know from the scriptures that in that time, the rise of the Antichrist, there is going to be a deception uh, unknown to that day. So how many, let's see if I can say this right, Chuck. How many believers are going to be deceived by this uh, great deception? Now, I know some people are going to say none, none. No, no believers are going to be uh, deceived by that. But what, what do you think? We can only go by what the scripture says. Jesus warned in Matthew 24, for instance, uh, which is his Olivet Discourse, uh, right be- two days before his crucifixion, his disciples get him on the Mount of Olives and they ask him what would be the sign of his coming into the end of the age. And the very first thing he says is take heed that no man deceive you. Then he goes on after talking about wars and rumors of wars and so on that we hear so often. And he says, and by the way, many are going to come in my name and deceive many. He didn't say deceive a few. He said deceive many. Then later on in the chapter, He ups the ante and he says, you know, guys, um, the deception is is going to be so great that if it were possible, even the very remnant elect would be deceived. Now, here's how most people get around uh, what Jesus was saying. They reason, I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. Therefore, I'm part of the elect. Therefore, I can't be deceived. That thinking renders all of Jesus' warnings moot. Just moot, meaningless, because they're all addressed to believers, professing believers. So uh, when we listen to the Apostle Paul in Thessalonians, he's warning people, believers, about falling away. We're told that before the Antichrist is revealed, there will be a massive falling away of believers. You can't fall away from a place you've never been. Mm-hmm. You can't fall away from a place you've never been. The very concept of falling means you've been somewhere else higher, and now you're lower. Yeah. So the scriptures make it very plain, Mike. Yeah. Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there will be that find it. Now, so our whole concept of just getting somebody to make a confession of faith may itself be a form of deception, because that's not what Jesus is looking for. 
If you go to the Great Commission, <clears throat> Matthew 28, most people, most pastors uh, communicate the idea that the Great Commission is about evangelism, getting people to make a confession, to notch a belt that you can report to the denominational headquarters or whatever. That's not what the gist of the Great Commission is. Jesus said, go, preach the gospel, baptize, and then he said, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. That's what's always missing. You know why that's missing? Because you can't raise money through discipleship. It doesn't raise money. Evangelism raises money because you notch your belt. Discipleship doesn't raise money because you can't measure it. So that's why it always ends up on the outside. Yet, if we're not discipling people and teaching it, like we're doing right here today, right here on the air, if we're not doing that and preparing people with the fullness of truth, not just partial truth that they want to hear, but the fullness of the truth, then they're being led astray, no matter what confession they make. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Christian life is not a life of confession only. It's a life of possession. We're, in other words, we're to walk in the spirit of Christ. Otherwise, the spirit of the world gets a hold of us, even while we're naming the name of Christ. So yes. this is a very dangerous time. It's a dangerous time of deception. And what we want to do is urge people to walk in the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord. That's what Jesus did. He said, my will is to do the will of him that sent me. Now you go and do likewise. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Amen. So that's how we're to follow the Lord. Yes. Did you know that Jesus had to learn the fear of the Lord? He made a short uh, lesson in the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. Do you know that the fear of the Lord is almost completely absent from the church today? Yes. And yet it's the foundation for all the promises of God, including salvation. Without the fear of the Lord, we have no need for repentance. Yes. So you can see how the deception comes by failure to teach and preach the fullness of the truth of the word of God. If there's any one thing that must be restored to the church today, if there's any hope for revival in this country, it's the fear of the Lord and a better start from on high in the pastors. Yes. Amen. You think it's going to happen? Not likely. It's yeah. going to be by a massive move of the Holy Spirit to bring a kind, a level of conviction that has been unheard of since the days of, say, Jonathan Edwards or Charles Finney. Yes, that's right. Yep. Amen. Well, Chuck, you conclude your book by explaining how the true Messiah will arrive. So let's let's close out our time together with that. What what do you say uh, about that? What should we be doing right now? So so how will the true Messiah arrive and what should we be doing in expectation of that? Well, we know that he's going to come gloriously. The scripture says he's going to come with clouds. Uh, some people say that means just a huge number of people. Uh, others say, no, it just means clouds. 
we don't know, but it does say he will come with clouds and uh, he is going to come. Uh, it's going to be an instant in time. He's going to come at the last trump. The trumpet will sound and those who prepared will rise incorruptible. Uh, but it's all about preparation. We don't want to be like the five virgins that were unprepared. Five were prepared, five were unprepared. Uh, yet they all supposedly pr- were professing Christians. Uh, that's the implication, at least. Some people will say there's nothing remaining uh, to happen before Jesus comes. I don't think the Bible teaches that. Uh, there are other theological implications that have to take place. Uh, for instance, the great falling away. That has to happen before the coming of Christ because the Antichrist comes before the coming of Christ. So the whole idea of imminency that is often talked about is just not biblical. I, I, I grew up believing it, but I just don't believe that it's, it's biblical. But there are things that we should be looking at the season. We should be looking at these times. Jesus warned the religious leaders of his day. He said, you guys, you purport to be the leaders of Israel. And you know, like miniature meteorologists, that a a red sky in the morning is the sailor's warning. A red sky at night is the sailor's light. How is it you cannot even discern the times? We're called to discern the times. But we have to have a will, Mike, to discern the times. Yes. That's our problem, because if we're living according to the dictates of our feelings, those feelings will mitigate against understanding where we are and what we need to be doing. If there's any one thing that we need to be doing, we should be discipling our children and our grandchildren seriously. I've done that with my grandchildren, with my children. They know I prepared them over time. To endure, Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. It doesn't see he that makes, uh, starts in the starting blocks where the confession will be saved. He said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. I want my children and grandchildren and those who are listening to my program to endure, to be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's what I want them to be able to do, having their loins heard about with truth. And in the meantime, because we're all sinners, we all fall short. The most positive word in the Bible is the word repent. The kindness of God leads us to repentance. That's our hope. And that's where we need to go. Messiah is coming. The mystery of the ages is about to be revealed. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, Chuck, that is a great place to end this conversation. Uh, The book is Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Chuck Chris Meyer, thank you so much for joining me and enlightening all of us with an understanding of the times that we're living in and what we're facing and what we should be doing right now. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Appreciate you too, Mike. Thank you. That's all we have today, friends, on this edition of WCN-TV. Please share this with your friends, family, and on your social media platforms. And get the word out about this book. Um, 
Save America, I think uh, the producer had it up there earlier, saveamerica.com. Saveamerica.com. Saveus.org. Saveus.org. Thank you. Saveus.org. The book is available there as well as Chuck's other books. So appreciate you going out there and supporting Chuck and his ministry. That's it. God bless you guys. See you next time. Thank you.